October 14th, 2021. This is the Daily Rob with the man, the myth, the legend, the sultan of swag, Rob Smith. Thank you, Sid. I appreciate the introduction. How are you doing this morning? I'm okay. How are you? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah, I'm ready to go. go. I got some good stuff. Oh, good. I'm sure you do. Locked and loaded. That's because you're a BMF. (laughs) Right on. You are, too. What stories are you looking at today? Well, Stu, I was going to be a little philosophical this morning. Um, I was thinking. I was doing some pondering. And it uh, brings me back to Mark 12, 17, Gospels, in which Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, render under God. Render to God what is God's. And I started thinking about the secularization of our society. Uh, It's probably happened since the um, Engel Vitel case 1962, which banned prayer in public school. By the way, there's no such thing as the separation of church and state. Thomas Jefferson used that in a letter. What the First Amendment um, deals with is the uh, establishment of a religion, which of course is prohibited. But I was thinking, you know, it's endemic in the human race to identify with some sort of deity or God. If you look back into ancient history, you've got the standing stones all over the place. You've got um, all of these, you know, prehistoric um, carns um, all over the place. Um, A lot of it was sacrificed to the gods. Um, But there's something inside of us that wants to have fealty to a religion. But Christian, Judeo-Christianity has been attacked. And I'm wondering if much of the left now see the Democratic Party as their God. Uh, because rationality doesn't seem to work with them. Um, and I think that, that's something that maybe we could talk about in the future, but I, I think it's true. Um, I don't identify myself with a political party. I identify myself with a person who has ideas and critical thinking skills. But I know some of these lunatics on social media, you try to engage them in a civil way, and they, it's just a reaction, uh, not based on thought, but it's like, you know, uh, blasphemy to, um, to question their icons. They have to rip your shirt. And uh, anyway, I think that's something for future future discussion, or we can talk about it now, whatever you want to do. Yeah, so they are essentially statist, and they believe the state is the only thing that matters. And, they and that is value- the, that's the, the essence of Marxism. I mean, if you read Engels and Marx, you know, the state is, <laughs> the state is everything. <laughs> 
Well, I, I would go so far as to say any totalitarian regime, you know, fascism is defined the same way where, right. you know, essentially business and the state are unified right. together. Yeah. So any, any political structure where the government is seeking to be all powerful and perpetuate itself is essentially what you're kind of describing. And there are people who wholeheartedly believe in that and that notion that the state is more powerful than, than they are and should exist arguably above the individual. And at the end of the day, I am a big believer in the power of the individual. Right. Uh, you know, I can lay at night and um, uh, feel a fealty to my Christian God. I think that's natural, some comfort. But my guess is the left feels that way about the government, about the state. There's something warm and fuzzy about it too, though. All right, that's enough of that. Okay. <laughs> uh, just a few quick things. I thought it was interesting, again, just how dishonest uh, Washington and this current administration is. Um, you had Jen Psaki on um, stating that the Southwest Airlines um, flight cancellations had nothing to do with the pilots walking off the job because of the vaccine mandate. And uh, you do, that's just not true. Everybody knows it's not true. Matter of fact, a number of them have come out publicly and said that's what it's all about. And I was even shocked to see the, um, the CEO or president, whatever he was, the head of Southwest Airlines, basically lie about it as well. Um, um, and, you know, there's nothing that comes out of this administration you can believe. Matter of fact, when they say something, your first synapse of thought should be, the truth is probably 180 degrees from that. Um, speaking of a similar matter about truth and reporting by our government agencies, now I've written about this, but the CDC in August, in a little footnote, said that only 6% of all COVID deaths were solely related to COVID. Uh, and none of the press picks that up, except for you and me, Stu. Um, but again, yesterday, or maybe the day before, the CDC, again, quietly let loose a report in which only 5% of COVID deaths are related solely to COVID. Think about the numbers. Uh, um, and they published a chart, 45.9% uh, of comorbidities um, deaths um, have influenza and pneumonia. 19.7% um, hypertension, 16% diabetes, uh, 13.4 Alzheimer's and dementia, and sepsis is 9.6. And often there are other things with these as well, like obesity. And some of these things, they've got two or three of them. But 
again, that's the biggest news of, I mean, that's the most important fact about everything COVID related and is emblematic of our government wants to instill fear in the populace um, such that they can control us and, uh, and metamorphosize the United States into this social utopia. Going further, Stu, um, along these lines, there's an excellent video that people can uh, Google if they can find it. Dr. Peter McCullough, he issued a warning that on therapeutic nihilism and untested vaccines. And he believes that there could be an unbelievable atrocity unfolding. Those who want to learn something else other than what the, the government line is might do themselves a favor by finding that. Uh, economic news, Stu, 4.3 million people quit the labor force. It's really interesting. Um, why? A lot of factors, uh, but um, we'll talk, we're going to learn more on this, but people quitting their jobs, some of it has to do with the vaccine, some of it has to do with folks saying, well, I can always get another job, some of it has to do with liberal uh, benefits if you do leave your job, I'm sure, so anyway, um, and of course, the big economic news um, is inflation is up 6%. It's the highest it's been in 39 years. Meat prices are going through the roof. Gas prices are going through the roof. Apparently, to heat your home this year, is going to be a 54% increase uh, all the way across the board. And um, that's the big economic news. Um, second big economic news that may or may not have much of an effect is the debt crisis in China. Um, you know, China doesn't have the economic opportunities for people there like we do, so they invest what money they have in stupid shit. And, and if you go to some of these cities, they have just the these ghost cities where there's just skyscraper after sky, skyscraper of real estate, office buildings and residential towers. Nobody's ever been in them, no tenants at all. And, uh, you know, that is about to implode. And uh, we'll see what kind of effects that has for the world economy. And that's what I got, Stu. Right on. So, there was a very interesting story that I found, and it concerns Katie Couric and her new memoir. And Cute little Katie Couric? Excuse me? Cute little Katie Couric, as she's referred to? She gets very feisty in this book, apparently. Oh, really? But the interesting thing that I found concerned Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. She's a looker. Both, nah. my, both my stories today are about liberal ladies. So okay. you're in for a treat. So she 
did an interview back in 2016 with RBG and she feels like she had many ethical concerns during that interview. So she edited it, but it gets so much better. Katie edited her own article. She edited what she included in her kind of piece on RBG, but just wait, it gets wild. So one of the things that came up during this speech uh, interview was Colin Kaepernick and the fact that he was kneeling during the national anthem. So what was featured in the article was that RBG thought it was dumb and disrespectful. What RBG actually said is a whole nother story. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm sitting down and everything. Okay, buckle up. Bring it. Ginsburg went on to say that such protests show a contempt for a government that has made it possible for their parents and grandparents to live a decent life. She said, which they probably could not have lived in the places they came from as. They become older, they realize that this was youthful folly, and that's why education is important. Would I arrest them for doing it? No. I think it's dumb and disrespectful. I would have the same answer if you asked me about flag burning. I think it's a terrible thing to do, but I won't lock a person up for doing it. I would point out how ridiculous it seems to me to do such an act. It's within their rights to exercise those actions. Yes, if they want to be stupid, there's no law that should be prevent uh, there's no law that should be preventative if they want to be arrogant there's no law that prevents them from that what i would do is strongly take issue with the point of view that they are expressing when they do that she added so i think the real hot take from that is it was seen as very racially insensitive and so Katie Couric calls up David Brooks from the New York Times, who is their conservative. (laughs) Yeah. And he says she just doesn't understand the racial aspect of this and that we need to protect RBG. So RBG's own office calls Katie Couric the next day and says, please take out all the things that Ruth said concerning this. So that is also why it got edited. Now, what is really interesting, you know, she calls, you know, the protesters stupid and arrogant. And what is really interesting is that Katie Couric feels like she's such a icon for rights that she has to protect the then 83 year old and that she didn't understand the racial element. Well, this is a woman whose grandparents came from Krakow, Poland. Does that ring a bell with you? Yeah. Yeah. So had they not left when they did, they would have ended up in that ghetto and the concentration camp. So exactly. Well, I'll have to say that I agree with everything she said. And uh, first of all, she's 83 years old. And how many 83 year olds don't speak their mind? 
and, and we let them. Uh, but two, what's wrong with telling the truth in this country? I mean, <laughs> you can never fix any problem unless it is addressed with truth. Yeah. And uh, uh, this the oversensitivity. You'll never fix these issues. Got to be truthful about them. Now, I, I want to say just one thing. I agree with everything she says about the flag burning and everything else, except I would say this. If a local, I believe people should have free speech and uh, freedom of actions and burning a flag is free speech, okay? I'm consistent, Stu. But I would say that burning a flag is somewhat like inciting a riot. And if local statutes say that, then I think that is a fair response. Okay. Interesting point. So what I think is really interesting with this whole notion that they saw this as a blind spot that she had was that essentially you have this almost like court of eunuchs. So RBG is the leader member of the Supreme Court, and her little assistants are the ones who are actually having the say in what she's actually sending out to the public, along with Katie Couric. So we're living in a manufactured reality, and it kind of reminded me of this really great movie scene. Now, are you a fan of chick flicks? Uh, I don't mind looking at hot flicks and hot chicks in flicks. How's that? But as far as the storyline about uh, unrequited love and all the other things that girls pine about, I couldn't care less. Well, the Devil Rose Prada has a great scene in it <laughs> with when Miranda essentially explains that the sweater that Anne Hathaway is wearing was decided upon by the people in the room she's standing with right now. And it really wasn't her original thought. And it kind of reminds me of that, that that's what the media does. You think you're having your own independent thoughts, but the opinions and thoughts that we should have and the culture, what the culture pushes was determined months ago, years ago by people in a room somewhere. And we are essentially seeing it trickle down. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room and we really need to get to a point where we see the media as being the same as tobacco executives 
they're not really telling us what we should be knowing. They're telling us what they think we need to hear. Well, to me, it reminds me of Winston Smith listening to the Ministry of Truth over the radio. Uh, there can only be one truth. I mean, and that's the way they think. You can't have Ruth Bader Ginsburg saying something that is a little bit at odds with the party line. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the party line and loving the party more than anything, here is our cinema update for today. So there's a lot going on with her and a lot of people have lots of hit pieces and she's not buckling. Mansion's not buckling. They both have what they want. So they're not being loyal to the party in their eyes. They're being loyal to the people they represent. So they're, they're politicians actually doing their jobs. So I feel like cinema is getting what I call Tulsi'd. Doesn't ma- matter that she was the first woman elected to the Senate from Ar- Arizona. Doesn't matter that she was the first bisexual member of the House of Representatives. I didn't so even know she was bisexual. But... Well, but these are all the things that they love, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, they, they will talk about this. They will write fluff pieces about this. Like Slate put out an article a few years back called about how cinema was a fashion revolutionary when she wore this one dress to swear in with Mike Pence. And Pink News wrote about how she was this big icon that you had to go out and vote for. So I remember reading that in Pink News. Sure you do. (laughs) And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter that she actually went back to the Arizona Constitution and got rid of all the wording that was essentially banning same-sex marriage. Doesn't matter that she's actually done her best to in their eyes represent them and you know fight for equal rights doesn't matter she's buckling and she's not agreeing with the party and so the arizona republic says she needs to run for run as an independent and all other articles are saying how she needs to be primaried so she's essentially persona non grata and so An analogy that I see in history is uh, Trotsky was murdered in Mexico City. Now, he was about as good of a communist as you could be, but he was a little different from Stalin. He had just just he was just a little bit over here and not straight down the party line. Well, they had to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. So. There's a good article. It's kind of one of these, oh, I'm an intellectual conservative pieces, but it had some good quotes in it. So country club Republicans. Essentially. So cinema and mansion are emissaries to red America. Susan Collins and Charlie Baker do the same thing for the GOP in liberal New England. It is a mark of civic rot that I could name all such transgressive figures without testing this column's word limit. Democrats are right that she and Manchin are relics. Each recalls a time when it wasn't possible to guess someone's region, accent, education, taste, or even opinions from the fact of their party registration. 
The independence that allows them to win red states, however, is the independence that chokes build back better. Oh, God. I just, I'm going to vomit. Uh, <laughs> I know. The Democratic Party at one time, you had your blue dogs and your yellow dogs. You had your New England Democrats. You had your Southern Democrats. You had your Scoop Jacksons. Um, there's none of that anymore. And, of course, the Republicans, too. You had your Valley Republicans in Virginia. Um, you know, there was a big tent with a lot of diversity. Um, a lot of factions. James Madison spoke about factions in Federalist Paper Number Fifty One. It was a good thing because it made for order and a balanced uh, government. Now you have, you know, this groupthink, um, and if you're not part of it, you get Trotskyed. Exactly. And so one of the new big talking points is that she voted with Trump on 25% of his positions, which I'm sure is really closer to 12.5%, because in a lot of ways, Trump is like a 90s Democrat. On some things. He's a tariff guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so he's not far away from the thinking that a lot of the Democratic Party thought uh, 25 years ago. Yeah. And so I looked at, I went pretty deep with her record and she's terrible on a lot of things, but she's really good on some stuff. So, um, she's good on war, anti-war. She is good on protecting our privacy. So she teamed up with Justin Amash and tried to prevent the NSA from spying on any sort of telecommunication. And she's good on the filibuster. She doesn't want to get rid of it. And so you know, I have a lot more respect for somebody like her, who I don't agree with 90% of what she's all about, I'm sure. But the fact that she's an independent thinker and she seems to think as an individual on these subjects, as opposed to, you know, having the antenna antenna receiving information from the great world leader nancy pelosi um you know thanks for herself uh, I, I like that i respect that and so the headlines when you do that the headlines are she can't make up her mind because <laughs> she's a woman she's a woman she can't make up her mind and doesn't that That's sound like saying. Doesn't that sound like you're talking down to women when you say that? It's like when um, some gay guy doesn't do what the leftists think um, he should do. They out him and make fun of him for being gay. Again, these things don't matter. This, these things are just tools to them, these labels. Yeah. They don't really believe what they profess to believe. It's, it's so sad. And it's so gross to see, but that's just how that party acts. Anyway, some happy news. William Shatner went to space. And so he has officially become the oldest man to go to space at 90 years old. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning out his fumes out here. Alone. I think it's gonna be a long, long time to touch time. 
bring me round again and fine. I'm not the man they think I am. I think this is pretty cool. It's uh, right up there with uh, George H.W. Bush when he uh, jumped out of the airplane at like 90. Um, and don't forget that he was a war hero and he got shot down in Japan and jumped out of a plane. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right on, right on. Well, any words of wisdom for us today? Uh, still, I actually do have a few words of wisdom, and they come from an Englishman. Actually, Stu, he uh, is Anglo-Irish. Right on. And, um, and he won a big battle in 1815. Uh, he became prime minister of Great Britain. And he was a badass. And um, one of the quotes he said, I'll give you three of them. Uh, one of which was um, during the Battle of Waterloo, uh, the French kept on coming at the Brits. They had to climb a hill. The Brits had all these formations and they repulsed them, repulsed them, repulsed them. Finally, Napoleon unleashes towards the end of the day, unleashes the Imperial Guard and uh, they ran. They met the British and they ran, uh, which is unheard of. And Wellington rides up. He looks over the battlefield and he says to his boys, in for a penny, in for a pound. And he drops his sword and the Brits get up from their formations and rush down the hill and just kick their ass. Uh, <laughs> another one is, I can't read my writing here. Uh, oh, uh, he was at a reception in Vienna. And, and this was after Waterloo. Um, and the French were being rude to him and a lady, a Viennese lady apologized about how rude the French were. The French turned their backs on him and Wellington said, that's okay, ma'am. I've seen their backs before. <laughs> Finally, you know, in 1832, 33 was the great uh, reform parliament where suddenly, you know, um, they liberalized the rules such that you could be something more than a patrician landowner uh, to come into parliament. And um, someone asked Wellington what they thought, thought of the parliament. And he said, I never saw so many shocking bad hats in my life. That's what I got to say, Stu. Those are my quotes for the day. Right on. Lord Wellington was something else. He was. He was a badass dude. His campaign in India is often incredibly undersung, considering how difficult it was to wage war in that country. Gave um, even Alexander a hard time. Yeah, and he conquered the known world. Yeah. 
Well, right on, right on. All right, Stu, go get him. Later. Hi, I'm Rob Smith. 